settle down now and get comfy. You're about to sleep with a celebrity. Let your weary mind be free. There's someone kind of famous who you can't see. It's time for sleeping with celebrity. Hello, sleepyheads, and welcome to Sleeping with Celebrities. I'm John Moe. I'm glad you're here. On this audio program, we invite our guests to step out of the limelight and into the nightlight. On this show, for one bedtime, I don't want them to bring their A game, but rather their Z game. It is a podcast where you can sleep, you can simply relax, you can take a break from stress and intensity. Just ahead, we'll be sleeping with Dessa. She's going to talk with me about buttercream frosting. But before all that, I invite you to settle in and get comfortable while I tell you about another show on the Maximum Fun Network. Sleepyheads, I should tell you about another podcast here on the Maximum Fun Network. It is called Valley Heat. It is about a neighborhood, the Rancho Equestrian District in Burbank, California. It tells the story of Doug Duguay, a freelance insurance adjuster trying to figure out who is using his garbage can as a way to distribute drugs. He also talks about other stuff going on in the neighborhood and in his life in general. So try it. Valley Heat, the podcast Patton Oswalt called one of the best podcasts he's heard in a long time. Valley Heat, on Maximum Fun, or wherever you get your podcasts. And now for our guest, Dessa, who does many things. She sings, she raps, she philosophizes because she has a degree in philosophy. She is also a published poet, the host of the podcast Deeply Human, and a frequent guest and contributor to Welcome to Night Vale. Dessa is a member of the Doomtree Hip Hop Collective in Minneapolis and recorded the song Congratulations for the Hamilton mixtape. Her most recent album, Bury the Lead, was released last year. Dessa, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I like to start off these bedtime conversations with a question or two about sleep. Do you recall the best night of sleep you ever had? I admit that I am like a C-minus sleeper, I think, generally. Most of my very best nights of sleep have been due a pharmacological sedative. Mm. And... I enjoy them as much as I enjoy almost anything in my life. What do you enjoy most about them? I think the thorough and complete turning off of consciousness and keeping it off for like a solid eight and a half, that's a holiday. And then, yeah, awaking genuinely refreshed. I think running on like a sleep deficit for me feels like a low grade constant hangover. And it feels like I'm in a video game where I have picked up a briefcase full of health 
on the occasions that I get a full night. Do you have a strategy about sleep position? Do you use the same spots? I do. It doesn't work. Mm. What is the strategy? I am sensitive to light. So even when I'm on tour, you know, I tend to like take a bobby pin to try to suture the hotel curtains perfectly closed so that in the morning, no shaft of life, light <laughs> uh, might or interrupt life. or life <laughs> might interrupt the hours that I'm trying to get. So at home, I have a sleep mask. Uh, I have I have a pretty vivid and often unwelcome dream life. So I've tried to train myself to lucid dream. I have brought, I have purchased two Remy sleep masks that are embedded with tiny LED lights programmed to flash during your sleep cycle in an attempt to trigger lucid dreaming to stop nightmares. And I sleep with a bunch of pillows on my head. And you say this doesn't work. Yeah, I wouldn't, I I can't recommend that to anybody. (laughs) No, almost no change. (laughs) Are you still using the flashing light mask? On occasion, it's uh, it's like bulkier than the kind of slim, sleek, faux satin mask that you'd be handed like on an airplane, you know? So it takes a little bit of trick, but I've, d- I've done it a few times. When you say you use many pillows, do you form like a pillow fort for your head? Yes, I am bare. Yes, I am. It's like a, a pyramid and I am the pharaoh buried inside it. Okay. Pyramid of pillows. I can't think of a logical transition between talking about pillows and talking about buttercream frosting. The pillowy, really? Pillow? Come on, that's like meringue. Like. All right. All right. Well, then let's talk about the uh, the fluffy dessert additive known as buttercream frosting. Now, I am the last person who's going to come on your show and correct the host. But I would just say that my interest is not so much in the substrate of buttercream, although I enjoy consuming that, as it is in the piping of buttercream flowers. So I'm talking ranunculus, I'm talking uh, peony bud or open petal, I'm talking roses, orchids, daisies. So for me, the like ASMR fixation with buttercream is in putting it into a bag, affixing that bag with a petal tip and spinning a tiny petal nail in my hand, you know? So imagine like um, just kind of a, a flat disc affixed with a stalk that you can turn and, and piping flowers. Please walk us through that process. Start from as close to the beginning as you can possibly come because I know nothing about this beyond hoping that the people at the grocery store bakery get it right. In the beginning, there was a cow. Yes. That cow grazed. It was milked. That milk was churned into butter available at my local grocer. I tend to look for the unsalted, high butter fat content because it's stiffer, so it holds a nice petal without wilting. If we're talking about stores in Minneapolis, are you mm-hmm. going to Lunds and Byerleys? I mean, that's fancy, right? Lunds okay. and Byerleys. But I admit, yeah, sometimes, man. Sometimes. Okay. So I'm not, I, I'm not above like a quick target butter run. Absolutely. But sure. I live closest to a Kowalski's where butter is at a premium. You are paying for the shelving, you know? Yes. So, but I've done it when I need butter. 
what a flower must be piped, you know, or buttercream ranunculus waits for no man. That's that's should be the title of your next album. Kowalski's <laughs> for people listening is what's known as a schmancy grocery store in the Tri Cities area or twi- okay. Twin Cities area. I was like, really? The is there? Did we? Did we get a third? <laughs> I was just thinking. Of, I need to travel to the Tri Cities of Washington soon. I was thinking about that when I, I suddenly there's five cities on my mind in two locations. I'm very confused. <laughs> So I buy the butter and bring it home. I set it on the countertop to allow it to warm, you know, from the ambient temperature of the cooler to the temperature of the room and my countertop, put it into a bowl. As it's warming, I sift powdered sugar to make sure that there are no clumps in it. And then I whip that butter, which is essentially adding the invisible but crucial ingredient of air on which buttercream frosting runs. So I'm whipping tiny, 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 tiny pockets of air into this room temperature butter. The color lightens. It goes from that yellow to kind of a yellowish white. And then it's time to add the powdered sugar. I add it. The buttercream breaks, meaning it looks like butter. It looks like butter. Then it looks like pebbles. And then you keep beating it, and it looks like frosting. You add more sugar. It looks like pebbles. It looks Mm. like frosting again. Are you using a a hand mixer or a whisk or what are you using? I'm using a hand mixer, which again, puts me somewhere in the middle of the road. It's not fancy smancy Lunds and Byerly's or Dean and DeLuca, right? I'm not using like a a stand mixer, but I'm Mm. also not like using a old school. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm not using my fingers, fluttering my fingers. (laughs) So those are the only two like crucial ingredients of buttercream. But of course, you add vanilla. I add a little bit more salt than most other people do. I also add a substrate to render it stable after I pipe it. So I, I add a little bit of meringue powder, which is mm. a game changer, my friend. And then you're almost ready to go. By ready to okay. go, I mean it's time to color the buttercream. Oh, how does that work? You can buy some hyper-concentrated pigments that are not very runny because you don't want to affect you know, too much the consistency of the buttercream. You don't want to dilute it so that it is too soft to hold its shape. Mm-hmm. Or if you go hard, and I've gone hard, you buy a cabbage. What? You boil the cabbage. You take what? the cabbage out the pot. You boil down the cabbage water until it becomes a dye of blue. And purple. Yeah. So it's like that cabbage water, red cabbage. Or you do it with beets. I've used turmeric. I've blended spinach into a slurry or muddled it by hand. I've used matcha powder to make a green. But the most fun one is the cabbage because you get this purple dye. And then if you want to change it blue, you add a splash of like a little tiny dash of baking soda. And there's a chemical reaction that magically turns the purple blue. Hmm. Do you ever feel like maybe you could just use artificial coloring? Like I do feel that way. Yeah. And why I don't do. you? Do you? Is it a philosophical uh, reason? I mean, I think it was misguided or not. I think it was a pure, like a, but it's a, I always get confused sometimes and I add too many suffixes. It's not puritanism. Is it a purism? Pure, I help. Puritanicalism? 
That's a lot of puritanicalism. That's mostly suffixes. That's mostly suffixes. That'll do. Purist? Yeah, I think I was being a purist, but I want the noun for purist. Oh. Purism well, doesn't feel like it could possibly be right. No. I was pure. I was pure yeah. of heart. I was, I was pure of mind. I was pure of cabbage. And then mm. it was taking so long that I went and bought some dye. So I often do that enough too. And then okay. after you've got some beautiful colors, it's time to start filling your piping bags. And those are what you see in cartoons or on TV, you know, those kind of sacks that you put frosting mm -hmm. in. They're kind of cone-shaped. Okay, yes. I prefer two-toned flowers, so I tend to put an intense stripe of pigment on one side of the bag and then a lighter version of that pigment and the rest so that when I pipe it, the flowers will have kind of a roughly tip, you know, ruffled edge. You put two colors in the bag at the same time? Bingo. Oh. Mm -hmm. Bingo. How did you learn to do this? On the internet. Internet. Mm-hmm. Why did you learn to do this? <laughs> I've had a tough month or two. I, this is a recent obsession for me, but it's an all-consuming obsession. Like I want to give up my job or eating or sleeping. You know, it's one of those mm. big hits. But I, I was slated to go on a big tour. I'm, you know, make my money as a musician. And I lost sure. my voice. And so all of a sudden, I, for a month, I wasn't allowed to talk with anyone except for seven hours when I was allowed to go on stage. So a lot of time to ruminate and no time mm -hmm. to talk to anyone. <laughs> and so my interest rapidly was incubated to a, to mm -hmm. a full-blown obsession. Also, I think I've always been very... I am probably one of the most negative people when it comes to physically beautiful things. I'm just kind of jaded, I think, after being in the music industry where beauty is prized, particularly for women, in my opinion, to an outrageous and inappropriate degree. And all of a sudden, I loved these beautiful, tiny things. And I was confused for the first time to just be like head over heels in love with these little, tiny, beautiful flowers of my own creation. Also, ego. I think it was one of those things like, you know, when you do something and you're good right away, I wasn't, uh -huh. I wasn't great, but I was better than most might be out the gate. And so I was, you know, you get that ego hit. Lots of times, as I understand it, in rap, in hip hop, there is boastful lyrical content. Have you considered writing a boastful rap about your prowess with uh, buttercream frosting, piping and flowers? They're not going to make the record, but yes, I most certainly have. I'm okay. aware of the fact, though, that this isn't real hard, right? Like that there's not a lot of street cred in a, yeah. in a, in a photorealistic buttercream peony. But you, it probably couldn't recreate the rap battle scene in the movie Eight Mile, but just talking about buttercream frosting flowers. <laughs> I probably could not. Okay. All right. So you've loaded up these colors in your in your bag. Let's talk about technique mm. and let's talk about flower selection. Mm. I, I realized that the way that like homeschooling is supposed to work mm -hmm. where 
you don't mandate that a kid learn anything. It's like their own curiosity drives them to want to understand math because they care about whatever, you know, the, trying to calculate a cool box car or something. Uh -huh. That's happening to me. Like, I'm learning about the parts of flowers because I want to make sure that my buttercream is right. So I've started taking pictures, you know, at bodegas or at even just grocery stores at like, you know, the Valentine's Day displays. Mm. So for me, roses were first. And it's actually harder to pipe a flat flower. So if you think of like a daisy, you know how it lays mm. flat and a rose kind of comes up in that three-dimensional spiral of itself. Sure. So I'm learning how to do some harder flowers now. On my list later today, I'm going to be trying my hand at a ginkgo leaf, which I think is just a beautiful shape in nature. It's so lovely. And, mm. um, and then also a, a particular varietal of orchid. Again, this is all self-taught or taught from YouTube videos? YouTube and TikTok, mostly. All right. Yeah. All right. And then when you make a rose, are you doing the rose in full bloom or are you doing a rose bud? Both. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I would say um, the, one of the last cakes I did was called the life cycle of a peony, and it started with a peony bud a partially opened blossom and then a blown blossom with petals kind of falling down the cake as it lost. Now, are you making cakes also? Yeah, but sort of begrudgingly, because what else would I frost? Yeah. What kind of cakes do you make? I'm a better froster than I am a cake baker. Okay. Sometimes they turn out great and then sometimes they don't. So with a flour, if you mess up, you just scrape it off the flour nail and back into mm. the bowl of frosting. You know what I mean? Sure. With a cake, you have to find out if it's good first. So cut off a little bit, you know? Mm. And then it's just harder to throw away such a big thing if it's not good. But so far, I've tried to stick to sort of basic bakes, knowing that I'm still working on my skills. But I make a really solid, you know, like vanilla and cardamom. The one I'm frosting today is orchata frost and orchata frosting. Oh. Okay, so you're not just buying a, a Betty Crocker box and, and making the cake that way. Nah, son. Okay. All right. All right. So tell me about some of the techniques beyond... Well, t tell me about the technique for making a rose. I'm still intrigued. First of all, is it only red in your piping bag? So I think when you know, we're talking about the step-by-step, -step, we got as far as making the buttercream. Filling mm. the piping bag. Yes. And I mentioned that, you know, very often I like to do a two-tone flower. So I'll have two colors right. in the piping bag. But then you have to affix a piping tip to that bag. Oh, let's talk about piping tips. That seems like a complicated issue. Sleepyheads, I want to tell you about another podcast on the Maximum Fun Network. It is called Depression Mode with John Moe, which is also my name, John Moe. So I host two shows. Depression Mode with John Moe is about mental health obstacles like depression and anxiety that are way more common than people realize, but don't get talked about nearly enough. 
On Depression Mode, I interview guests like Jamie Lee Curtis, David Sedaris, Sashir Zameda, as well as mental health experts to share experiences, offer hope, and make everyone feel less alone. Talking about mental health doesn't have to be scary. Sometimes it can even be funny. Depression Mode handles the issues with honesty, candor, and yes, a sense of humor. Depression Mode with John Moe on Maximum Fun or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's talk about piping tips. That seems like a complicated issue. So if you imagine a tiny cone of metal, like stainless steel, maybe Mm. an inch and a half tall, one end of the, the pointed end essentially is shaped into either kind of a simple slot or slit to be able to extrude a ribbon of frosting that you would mm-hmm. then kind of rotate and maneuver to create each petal as you go, or a variety of other shapes. So if you imagine the stamens of a flower, those little spiky, sticky, uppy things in the middle, for that kind of item, you would just have a little tiny hole at the top of a piping tip that you could extrude a dot of frosting. Making leaves, which is a particular passion of mine. I'm maybe better at leaves than I am at flowers. For that, I like to use a marbled set of colors. If you look at a real leaf, very often there's a little bit of pink even, or a little bit of purple. If you look really closely at a leaf, it's not just green, you know? So I'll try to run really fine ribbons of those colors through the piping bag. And Mm. then you sit with your piping nail and you can kind of manipulate and squeeze that piping bag so that you're pushing frosting out the slotted tip and create the shape of your choosing. But very often with a flower, like you asked a rose, there's a spinning. It's almost like you're holding this piping now, which is just a flat disc atop a stalk that you hold by your hand. It's almost like you're spinning it as if it were a tiny, tiny manually operated potter's wheel. You want it to spin mm. so that you can add arcs of frosting, adding each petal to kind of a central frosting nub until you have a finished flower. Do you need to manually spin the piping nail? I do. So it's like you're holding essentially like a metal toothpick that has a flat metal disc mounted to it. And you're just kind of spinning it in your fingers as you go. Okay. As you as you extrude the frosting? I admit extrude is a word that could use a rebrand. It just doesn't sound very good. But yes, that's exactly the All right. concept. So you have the, the piping nail. I'm I'm wondering if there are a variety of tips that are put on the piping bag and if you if you have them all stored in a case or do you wear them like a, a bandolier kind of thing? There they are. All of them yeah. together. I keep them. Okay. Yeah, but you're right. I was thinking about drilling a little hole in one and putting it on my keychain just so that there's a piping emergency of some sort. You know, is there right. a frosting decorator on the plane? Like I could shoot my arm up and <laughs> save the day. Yeah. It's like when uh, when people give out swag of bottle openers to put on your keychain. Yes, exactly. And makes me sad. <laughs> because it seems like an invitation to drunk driving to me, but I don't know. All right, so 
So for the roses, you're using the piping nail, you're making the petals, you're making at some point in, in the roses bloom. Yes. Tell me about some of the other flowers that you, that you make and the technique that you use to make them. Can you picture in your head a peony flower? No, but I can picture it on the internet, I bet, okay. as we speak. A peony flower, they bloom in Minnesota in late May. But if you imagine the kind of flower that you might see very often, like ornamenting, like a Japanese design, they're very often featured in Japanese designs. They're ruffled, multifoliate, kind of big blooms that are like, um, I don't know, like a, a small baseball full of ruffled petals. Mm. They're my favorite one to pipe, I think in part because I saw a great tutorial. So I feel like I've got the, I've got the technique down, but also because if you rotate your piping nail while you're piping a pedal, so you're squeezing the bag, you're spinning the pedal, you're adding that to a central mound of frosting. And then you just shake your piping hand really rapidly, like almost like a little tremor. It ruffles the flower. It ruffles the petal just as they exist oh. in real life. So you're sort of adding with a tremor in your hand the delicate ruffle of the the petal that you would observe in a garden. And it's really pretty. I bet that would work if you needed to make carnations as well. Ooh, well done. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. I haven't mastered carnations yet. They're sort of easy to look like a pile of nothing mm. or just a, a pile of lace. Do you know what I mean? So you have to get yeah. that kind of proportion, right? So it doesn't look just like someone drops their panties onto your piping nail. And instead you've made an intentional flower. <laughs> you don't want a big pile when you're making flowers. Not so much. Or if you do, you want a pile of flowers recognizable as such. Now tell me about the challenge of making the daisy. The hard part about piping flat flowers is that Flowers, you know, in, in nature, obviously, are so fine and so thin. They're a bit finer than most butter can be. Like, you know, a really, really thin pane of butter, if you imagine slicing it just paper thin. That won't stand, right? It doesn't have the structural integrity. It'll get kind of melty and wobbly and fall over and become a flat mm. sheet of butter. So there is an illusion like piping flowers in some ways is trying to create the illusion of space and delicacy, even where you have to add structural reinforcement and buttressing and buttercream to make sure the thing holds. Daisies and flowers like daisies, laying flat as they do, you can't add too much mass because else they read as kind of, you know, swollen and weird. So you really yeah. have to be mindful about how much buttercream you're adding and you'd be intentional about every stroke. Whereas with the rose, you really do have a decent amount of buttercream in there. You know what I mean? Just kind of imagining the the bud of a rose, like you've got to... And you can always add an extra petal or two to exactly. a rose and no one will get upset. Exactly. Like if the outside got wonky, hit it with another petal. Whereas with the daisy, you're looking at the whole thing. There's sort of nowhere to hide. Mm. Mm -hmm. Right. But also, who wants daisies? Do you know what I mean? I like, if no I'm going to get a fistful of flowers, I'm going to be more excited about some of the more intricate structural ones, I think, than a flat-faced daisy. It would be like making a, a dandelion cake. I almost did because 
my dentist said, yo, I can get you in. You got one of those cakes though, that I've been seeing online. And I was like, I got you. So I was trying to think of like, what kind of flour would you put on a cake for a dentist? And dandelion means lion's tooth. So I thought there was oh. a connection there. Wait, your dentist is what? Patrolling your social media? She's a homie. She's cool. Okay. All right. <laughs> Did you have any uh, apprehension about giving something sugary to a dentist? I was really grateful that she recommended. I would have never broached the topic. I would have been ashamed to even suggest it. But, you know, dentists are people too, right? Where do you stand on the hyper-realistic cake movement where you don't know if something is like a, a medicine bag or a cake, or you don't know if it's a pinball machine or a cake, and it could be either one. I hope it's cake. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think I, I didn't get completely sucked down that rabbit hole, but I delighted in tangoing in its entrance for a while. I thought it was really clever. People are so skillful. It's cool to see something so well done. That's not an interest I, like, I don't have any interest in developing that skill myself. I think that there's something clever and cute but for me it's the elegance you know of the of the floral stuff that really intrigues me as opposed to trying to make a cake that looks like my own shoe yeah is there a flower that you have yet to make that you aspire to you're going right right to the heart this is a hard interview yes there is there is tough questions yeah 60 minutes right here i asked my mother what is your favorite flower and she said iris. And I didn't, I couldn't remember off the top what an iris looked like. And so I Googled it. An iris feels like it violates all of the rules that a flower should adhere to in an effort to be rendered in buttercream. There's no central connection to which all the petals, it's just like held together by double entendres do you know what i mean there's just no structure that's holding the dang petals together and of course you know in buttercream i need them all to touch and it is central like kind of hefty place so that the whole thing doesn't collapse so i've been looking at some clever techniques online to create irises that kind of give you the impression of that that airiness you know but they managed to hide some buttercream in clever places to render it you know doable Mm. Mm -hmm. I would say iris, but also, let's see, also my orchids are basic. Really? And I, w I want orchids that are show-stopping. Because so, orchids are a showy, almost gaudy kind of flower. Do you think they're gaudy? I think they're so, I guess maybe I have a high tolerance for drama, but I think they're just arresting. Yeah. Let, let's call them dramatic flowers. Yeah, I, I think so too. So I feel like my... My orchids are like recognizable as orchids, you know, it's like, oh, cool. Wow. Awesome. Orchids. That's a fancy flower. And you did it in buttercream. But I want a bee to try to pollinate the orchid. I want it to look, do you know what I mean? I want it to be mega, mega realistic. Whereas you want to fool the experts. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least go, wow, that's somebody who knows orchids did that, you know, who understands like the botanic anatomy of an orchid. What do you do with all these cakes that have flowers on them when you're done with the cake? <laughs> uh, a lot of my friends are getting cake. Yeah. But I also, I haven't done it yet, but I found 
I found a charity where you can bake for a kid's birthday. You know, that's like oh. what people do is they just give them the cakes. And I thought, hey, that's a match for somebody really spiraling out on a buttercream addiction. So, <laughs> you know how kids love delicate frosting flowers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mermaid, nah. I want a Latin name of a flower. Are you able to do your cake magic while on tour? Not yet, but I, I admit I've had fantasies of like, what if I got, you know, those kind of like divorced dad hotels where there's like, um, like the kitchenette in the room. Yes. I thought about staying at one of those and what would it really take? Like, what if I traveled to just like a tiny vial of, of baking soda and baking powders and all I really needed was an egg. But that sounds crazy. Yeah, that would be, well, you would need to go to a grocery store because you can't really bring eggs on a plane. Hey, how sure are you about that? Um, I'm making an assumption, but I feel good about the assumption. Gosh, you think, it's interesting. You think you could bring it in a, in a, I, in a purse, in a carry-on, I'm in a checked bag? I mean, like, a checked bag, yeah, but of course you're tempting fate. But is it more than 100 milliliters? I don't think so. I think... Mm. I'm, gosh, now this is becoming a challenge. Like, can you bring an egg on a plane? And would butter be considered a liquid on a plane or a gel or a solid? Depends how warm that plane is. I suppose so. Suppose how warm it is at the TSA check-in as well. Right. But you're right. It would necessitate a trip to a grocery store for sure. What can heal the world more, music or cake? Hmm. The band cake? Is that the... No, no, the food cake. <laughs> I know, it was my answer. I was trying to split the diff. Um, I know. Music. 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 Yeah. Okay. All right. Dessa, thank you so much for sleeping with us this week. I very much enjoyed hearing about buttercream frosting and flowers and all that goes into creating them and all the plans you have for the cakes that you make. And good night. Good night, John. Good night, sleepy heads. Well, sleepy heads, I hope you enjoyed learning about buttercream frosting as much as I did. You know, something I like to do at the end of my day is make a mental catalog of things that I experienced and or learned. So, if you don't mind, I'm going to make a list of takeaways from my conversation with Dessa right now while it's fresh in my mind. One, frosting requires piping tips, including ranunculus tips and pea petal tips, which you can purchase at the supermarket. Two, Kowalski's is the fancy person's supermarket in the Twin Cities. Three, Unsalted butterfat makes for the best flower piping. Four, meringue powder is a game changer. Five, you can boil red cabbage into cabbage water, which boils down into a dye of blue or purple. Six, you can also use beets. Seven, when you are unable to speak for medical reasons, learning to create and pipe buttercream frosting flowers is a way to spend your time. 
8. A piping nail is a metal toothpick with a flat metal disc. You spin it as you pipe to create flowers. 9. Shaking your piping hand like a gentle tremor adds lovely ruffles to your frosting, useful for peonies or carnations. And 10. Flat flowers, such as the daisy, are difficult to pipe. They require paper-thin frosting and buttressing. Okay, I'm going to turn in myself. Thank you for sleeping with me and Dessa. You can follow Sleeping With Celebrities on Twitter and TikTok with the handle at sleepwithcelebs. On Instagram, the handle is at sleepwcelebs. Our email is sleepwithcelebs at maximumfun.org. Music is provided by The Winterbowers. This show is edited and produced by Gabe Mara and senior produced by Laura Swisher. Swish. And it is a production of Maximum Fun and Papuchik. I'm John Moe. Night-night. Maximum Fun. A worker-owned network of artist-owned shows. Supported directly by you.